0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: We have now completed the election. We've completed the count. We've completed the recount.
0: Uh, and it's time for Governor Scott to assume the duties.
2: The president has said there's no Russia collusion. Uh, and, and he's also said that he's complying, and he is with his attorneys.
1: President Trump is not going to fire Mueller. is going to be allowed to do his job.
2: It's very important to note that the people who promised they were going to frog march Donald Trump out of the White House because of Russia collusion two years ago are now belly aching about something else.
1: And now, Stacey
0: Washington.
2: So,
3: you know what? Uh, when I hear Kellyanne Conway talking about how people were going to frog march Donald Trump out of the, the White House, it's that whole idea that they're not, um, they're not accepting his election. They're not accepting the result of the election. And this is a piece by Stephen Moore, Why the Left Hates Prosperity. Um, it's it's so obvious that there are people on the right, the political right, um, not true believers, not, not individuals who really want to see policy make changes uh, so that, American lives can be improved. They, they prefer the status quo because then they have something to fight for. Then they have a great base of operations for their consultancy class. Then they have someone who will pay 10000 15000 a month to consultants to create ads and run campaigns as opposed to because they're losing because those are, those are the campaigns that are really you can charge the most. You're trying to get back into the majority. You're trying to get back into the White House. Those are the campaigns where the people make the most money and where winning can make a name for you. And so there are people who are really integrally interested in losing. And we realized that back when we had Mitt Romney. We realized that with John McCain. And we're talking about standard bearers like George H.W. Bush, uh, Bob Michelle, Bob Dole, John McCain, Mitt Romney, and now Mr. I-don't-go-anywhere-I-must-be-related tangentially to Hillary Clinton, Bob Kasich. Yes, you heard it here first. This man is actually in New Hampshire trying to drum up support for a primary run against Donald Trump. And you know what I say to that? Bring it on, bro. Bring it on. The The best thing to happen to Donald Trump will be you with your little, you know, fruit ninja hands swinging all over the place, saying stuff that doesn't make any sense, trying to be a moderate, um, really standing for nothing, believing in anything that just makes the trump base stronger there's nothing like standing up something that doesn't really mean anything next to the true and genuine article have you you've, you've seen it if you're a shopper you know you've been to the store and you've seen some newfangled thing sitting next to the thing that you know is the real article and you may and take a quick look at the newfangled thing and it may be something that you're interested in, you know, maybe trying out or something like that. But in the in the end, you're going to go with that tried and true real deal item, the one that has that, you know, that warranty or the one that you, you can trust that this particular product is going to do what it says it's going to do and it's going to be worth your money. And the other item will be something that's like a fad. It goes up, it's super popular, and then you never see it again. And most people can't even remember what it was called. Remember? had that one? No, nobody remembers it but you because you were the only one who was foolish foolish enough to buy it. And that's what's happened to voters on the right. We were foolish enough to buy John McCain. We were foolish enough to buy, uh, I mean, I I voted for George Bush, the younger. I supported his presidency. It is only recently in the past three or four years that I've learned what a softy he is on immigration and how he played such a huge role in leaving that mess that Donald Trump is now trying to clean up. I, I still respect him greatly, but I do have that against him. I, I do. We bought into to Dole. We bought into McCain. We bought into Romney. We were told it's his turn. We bought into the whole idea that it wasn't the best candidate that we needed. It was the person whose turn it was. He ran. He donated. He did everything he's supposed to do. It's his turn. We're seeing fewer and fewer fewer of those turn candidates, people whose turn it is to be in in charge of us. And we're seeing more and more of these people who are rising up and saying, look, I'm here to do a job. I see a need. I need to fill it. I've got the skills. I'm going to go do this thing. I don't need to be in office. I want to be in office for this specific reason. And then I am going to go back to my private life, which is coincidentally what the founders called our elected officials to be. They were never supposed to have huge apartments in Washington, D.C. and be a part of the cocktail circuit. Washington, D.C. and the surrounding metro area was never meant to be the highest concentration of well-paid government employees. None of this stuff is what the founders called or laid out for us as Americans. It's in our blood, the freedom. That's what people say about us. That's what I say about us. That's what you, you can smell it a mile away. An American is a different thing. It's a unique creation. It's a beast of another specific type of origin compared to every other type of human that lives on the face of this planet. That's why people are kicking and clawing and scraping and killing themselves to get in here. Because if they can't be born here, they want to come here and drink the same water that we drink and breathe the same air that we breathe and go to the same churches we go to so they can get a little bit of that American spirit in them. They want to marry an American. They want to be a part of an American family because this is that one thing. And it doesn't come because we're so special. It's because this country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles and God's presence is here. That's why they want to get in here. They'll call it racist. They'll say anything they want to about it. But in the end, they want to be here. Ask them, look at them flying their little flags from Honduras and the one chick who just got elected to office, she's flying the Palestinian flag, but offer her a one-way ticket to Palestine and see what she says. Well, first of all, that's not a place. And second of all, she don't want to go there. Being the person she is with her head wrapped up in that ridiculous rag is something that she thinks she can do because she's in America, because we allow her to do that. In other countries, she would have to sit down and be quiet or she'd be a slave. Send her to the Middle East and drop her off someplace with no identification and she would be enslaved within moments. That's how it is. The only reason you get to walk around, as I did in Saudi Arabia, and drive a vehicle off base, I run around in pants, go shopping on my own, buy whatever I wanted to. The only reason I was able to do all of that stuff is because I had a green ID card. I had command sponsorship from the United States government. And they knew that me being there was a privilege for them. I was the gift to them, me and all of the other thousands of American troops who were in Saudi Arabia at the time doing work that they wanted us to be there to do. Now, drop a black woman off in Saudi Arabia on her own with no ID card and see how fast it is she's up at somebody's compound cleaning and cooking and getting called slave in Arabic. Understand the difference. And so that is why it is absolutely ridiculous for us to allow You know, I'm sure very well-meaning people, Bush, Dole, McCain, Romney, losers, big, fat, sweater vest wearing losers. Their day has passed. The day of the Republicans pushing out losers is over. That's why we're saying goodbye to Jeff Flake. That's why we're saying goodbye to all all those retirements. We were sitting, I actually spent time wondering what is going to happen in the midterm? This is like a year ago when we we're seeing all of these Republicans. I'm not going to run. I'm leaving office. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I was wondering what's going to happen. Well, you know what? So we lost the House. Would you rather we kept it with a bunch of rhinos in the Senate and then the House of Representatives? Rhinos who like losing the, the clones of of McCain and Dole and all that. Those, those sweater vests wearing, limp-wristed, couldn't talk their way out of a paper bag faux Republicans, they were closer friends with the Democrats than they ever were to their own constituents. They forgot what they campaigned on. They raised the money and spent it and didn't care about answering to the voters. We're glad to see them go. We're happy to see them ushered out. It is better to have divided government and have the Democrats out there beating the drum of impeachment, talking about everything but what matters to Americans. It's a perfect foil for the real deal. Let the Democrats be that fake, piece of garbage, made in China product that won't be around in two years. Let them be that so that Donald Trump can shine ever the more brightly as someone who seriously cares about seal- sealing our border and spreading economic prosperity. It's actually a blessing. And you know, God works out everything for our good, according to those who are called according to his purpose. It's, it's, it's Why doubt? Why doubt that this is going to be perfectly fine? Meanwhile, just in case anybody doubts what I say about Jeff Flake, what is he up to right now? He's actually got a bill together with a bunch of Democrats. Now, remember, this is the lame duck. He's supposed to be going around, going to people's uh, offices and dropping off thank you gifts and getting little bags of candy and stuff like that. And people are supposed to be, you know like talking to him and introducing him to people so he can get something cushy to do in the private sector when he leaves his office. He is not supposed to be raising cane with the Democrats right now. But if you need an illustration on why it is that we need Jeff Flake to go, why it is fine to lose the House of Representatives as long as we lose lose Jeff Flake, why it is fine to lose um, the House of Representatives as long as we have all of the other Jeff Flake cohorts in the House on their way out, why we finally can thankfully say to Paul Ryan, thank you, sir. And goodbye for the last time, because these people weren't there to serve you. They weren't there for your best interests. They had great campaigns. They said all the right things, but in the end, they don't care about you. They don't believe they need to answer to you. And that is why it is past time for them to go. And we should be thanking God that it's it's not about Donald Trump being ordained or him being so special it's that for this specific time for this time where we have all of these people in washington dc who claim one party but really are surrogates for the other party that a house cleaning we've all been there haven't we haven't we all you you keep your house clean you do your regular weekly rituals etc et but then It's that time of year where you do the deep cleaning and you get in the corners and the crevices and you take some extra time and you get the shop back out in your garage and you everything's out of the garage and you pour bleach on the floor and you scrub it down and everything gets cleaned, clean, clean, clean. And then when you're done, you go take a shower, put on some lounging clothes and come downstairs and pop some popcorn and sit down to watch a movie or something. And you look around and you take a deep breath and you're like, Whoo, that's nice. So we don't need fake Democrats. We have enough of those. What we need is real Democrats who they cannot restrain themselves. They will not be able to treat their own Trump derangement syndrome. They will put their feet too far out. They will step too far outside of what even their voters want to see. They will never answer the promises they've made. They're not going to get single payer. It's a pipe dream that can never happen in this country. They can't even figure out a way to fix their own monstrosity, which is Obamacare. And they're not interested in fixing it because it's easier for them to run on fixing health care than to actually do anything about it. And so in the end, the table is set. And just like it says in the Bible, he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. The Democrats are lining up to watch us eat. So let's get it on. So here's Lindsey Graham. We're going to go out on this. You got President Trump. He's not going to fire Mueller. He's never said he's going to fire Mueller. Lindsey Graham is, thank God that he's been loosed. He's just, he's like a real person. I'm so glad about it. Here he is, number one.
1: Well, this is a manufactured problem. President Trump is not going to fire Mueller. Mueller is going to be allowed to do his job, and we need conservative judges on the bench, as many as we can, as often as we can get them. I don't know what Senator Grassley is going to do. He's been a great chairman of the committee. If I'm chairman next year, we're going to do judges, judges, and more judges, And at the end of the day, I am convinced that uh, Mr. Mueller will be allowed to do his job. I've seen not one scintilla evidence of collusion. The obstruction of justice thing never made any sense to me. You can fire somebody uh, who works uh, as a political appointment. uh, The FBI director could be fired for almost any reason. And the Democrats wanted Comey fired. So Mm -hmm. I feel good about everything right now.
3: (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Because you know what? While the House is... Literally a flaming dumpster fire. And God bless those Republicans are going to have to deal with the Democrats for the next two years in the House. I, I just, you know, we have to pray for their strength. Over in the Senate, it's just going to be judges in the morning, judges at night, judges in the noonday, judges in the afternoon. It's going to be judges, 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 judges. It's going to be Supreme Court judges, probably two more of those. But on the the appellate level, the remaking of the court with a conservative bent for the foreseeable future. And remember, when Gail Trotter was on last hour, we were talking about how wonderful it will be to have people who are placed in authority on these judges' benches who are not politically motivated. People who are willing to rule on what a person has done according to what the law says instead of, oh, I better go soft here. This is a a Democrat oh, I better not, I better not rule against this person. It's a Republican. We don't want that. We're a nation of laws. And I'm just so glad about it. So, you know, yes, it is, it's not the best situation. But then again, it is because we don't need any more rhinos. Put the sweater vest to bed permanently. Let's not resurrect it ever again. It's time for real legislators. And if we can't get real Republicans, the Democrats will do just fine they're never ever going to do anything for the american people when we get back we'll have cedra Sargent stay there
1: hello everyone i'm tim wildman president of american family association and american family radio you know the popularity of our spiritual heritage tours each year continues to grow those are our tours to washington dc mount vernon williamsburg jamestown and yorktown those are two separate trips but uh A lot of folks go on both of them, but the popularity continues to grow and we sell out two or three months in advance every year. So we're letting you know when our June and September tours are. Just go to our website, spiritualheritagetours.com. Spiritualheritagetours.com. There's two tours. There's one to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. And then there's a separate trip, but they're back-to-back to to Washington, D.C., and to George Washington's Mount Vernon. So, if you want to go on those tours with us, just go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com and check out all the info. This is Viewpoints
0: with Kirby Anderson. Imagine a world in which everyone followed the ethic Jesus taught about sex, marriage and relationships. Sean McDowell asked people to consider that when he was involved in a discussion about biblical sexuality. Here's what he said. There would be no sexually transmitted diseases, no abortions, no brokenness from divorce. Every child would have a mother and father and experience the love and acceptance each parent uniquely offers. There would be no rape, no sexual abuse, no sex trafficking, pornography, and no need for a #MeToo campaign. Think of the healing and wholeness if people simply lived Jesus life-giving words regarding human sexuality. In a recent column he went on to add so much more. Think about it. There would be no more sexually transmitted infections like AIDS, herpes, or HPV. Of course, there'd be no rape. There wouldn't be any unwanted pregnancies. The whole culture would be better. There would be no crude or degrading sexual humor. Critics wouldn't be making fun of young people who decided to wait until marriage to have sexual relations. Marriages would be better. There would probably be a significant drop in the divorce rate. You would have fewer deadbeat dads. You would probably have fewer men leaving their wives for younger women. Of course, you can make up your own list of all the positive things that would happen if we followed the sex ethic of Jesus. God's word instructs us in behavior that will protect us from so many of the devastating sexual and social consequences of turning away from his instructions to us. Let me suggest that you use this argument the next time you hear someone argue for sexual freedom or the next time you hear someone make fun of a young person who decided to remain a virgin until marriage. Sean McDowell has given us a powerful argument. I encourage you to use it. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. You can download episodes of Stacey of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
3: Woohoo! And the party goes on. Now it's time to speak with Cedra Sarton, content coordinator for Engage Magazine. The website's engagemagazine.net. Cedra, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Thanks, Stacey.
2: Thank you for having me.
3: So let's talk about this. We've got uh, the Engage Annual, which is a hard copy of the magazine that's released once a year. What can we expect and how do we get it?
2: well well um it's pretty much our, our main topic is you know just hard situations and how to deal with them um for the, each one has a theme and this is our third one and kind of our center article the one that is on the front cover is when the world asks why and it just kind of addresses you know when people ask why does this happen why did you know someone i love die why did someone get hurt um and kind of that's kind of the hard topics that we cover in this edition. But if you go to engagemagazine.net and click the magazine tab, uh, it'll take you directly to a a page where you can fill out your information and we'll send you your copy of your magazine.
3: Uh, So it's complimentary, is it? Yes, it is. Mm. So listen to that listeners, listeners and live stream viewers. This is a free magazine geared geared towards the youth, the millennials, the young adults, et cetera, that answers hard questions. What excuse do you have for not going on and getting it? I mean, I'm all about free complimentary items if they're high quality. And this sounds like it's too good to be true. Tell us more.
2: Well, uh, we, we started, this is kind of a way, there are, there are a lot of people who you can tell them, hey, go to this website. And a lot of times they they may or may not do that. But if you give them something and put it in their hand, chances are eventually they're going to start thumbing through it, you know, when they're just sitting there and, and Maybe they're bored or whatever, but maybe something will catch their interest and they'll start reading and they'll start reading an article that applies to their life. And then maybe they'll want to share it.
3: You know, so this is something that I've I've seen happen a lot at our house, which is that that's why I leave the AFR journal around, because my kids will pick it up and read it. And it's not so much that I have to say, oh, this is political or this isn't political it's more about them always looking for something to read. And if they see it laying there and it looks, you know, different as in they hadn't seen it before, or if they've seen it before and they've read a couple of cool things in it, they're they're likely to pick it up and thumb through. And I think that is one of the easiest ways. It's the reason why a lot of us, back when Bible tracks were a thing, you would take some to the airport with you and you would just leave it on your chair. <laughs> you know, you get up yeah. and you leave it there. And it's not, it's easier than walking up to someone and saying, you need to read this or... Jesus loves you. And they're like, you're some kind of crazy. you like, don't, don't do, leave me alone. Well, it w- it's easier to just leave it on the table. And yeah. then someone comes and they pick it up and they might pick it up thinking, I got to clear the table off. I want to eat here. But when they look at it, they might flip through it because we're always looking for something to read. Uh, honestly, uh, as humans, it's our natural bent is, oh, there's something to read. Let me take a look at it. So it is a good tip that you're giving, which is Get the magazine, leave it out so someone can be touched. And these are not accidents. When you go and you order the magazine and you get it in your hand, then you leave it out, whether it's at your doctor's office or at work or at home for one of your own kids to, to bump into, the Lord will provide the eyeballs that need to take a look at it. You just go ahead and do the thing, which is go to engagemagazine.net, fill out your information and get the free copy.
2: Yes, and most of our content is also on the website, so you can go to engagemagazine.net, and so you can you can share it online as well if you want to. But I know there we get a lot of people who say, you know, my daughter or my son or my granddaughter or my grandson, they would love something like this. Can I have some copies to give to them? And uh, through that, they they can find out about the ways to to see us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. So we're all we're online, but this is just a way that you can get this into the hands of more people.
3: So I'm excited about it. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the other topics that the 2019 edition covers. Marriage from the perspective of single and married people. Yes. Gossip, social media. Tell us more about that.
2: Well, we have uh, a a lot of these are written by people that work here at the American Family Association. Um, We have had interns come through and write articles for us. We even have uh, we even, you know, reach out of the younger age to have people write for us. Um, You know, Alex McFarlane. I'm sure people on American Family Radio have heard his name. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been on the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has an article in this uh, edition. Um, Then we have Myra Gilmore, who was here for a time, and she wrote for us. And she writes from the perspective of a single person. And um, then we have uh, Stacey Singh, who works uh, in the AFA Journal, and she writes for the journal, but she also writes for us from time to time. And um, she wrote an article titled, What Nobody Told Me About Marriage?, And she just recently, a couple months ago, celebrated her one year anniversary. And so she just shares some truths from and some things that she has learned over this past year being married. And um, just for the ones, you know, there are things that people didn't things that people didn't tell her. And so she just kind of digs from um, what's going where she is in life. And that's kind of where what all the articles are. People take things from their life and they write about them and expand on them. And just share some of the things that God has placed on their heart with uh, with the world and whoever will read it.
3: So um, what is the mission of Engage Magazine? Maybe someone's listening and they haven't really heard much or really don't understand what the mission is. And I want to make sure that people have that information.
2: Uh, yes. Well, our mission, and it's on our website, and we can go and read it. Engage exists to provide perspective on culture through the eyes of a biblical worldview. And that is our goal um, we just want to show how that worldview inter- intersects with culture and how it engages it.
3: So I'm excited about this. It's the annual thing. I plan to go on and get my copy so I can first leave it around my house. And then <laughs> after that, take it somewhere else and leave it around. I'll make sure um, to send you some. Yeah. I So my thing with it is I will often go, you know, you go to the dentist, you go to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And you see in there, you'll, there's always magazines like Self, you know, Runner, things like that. There's always maybe one interior design magazine like Better Homes and Gardens or HGTV. And then after that, it's anybody's guess what you're going to see in there. And I know they mm-hmm. try not to be offensive. Like they're not trying to offend the people who are sitting in their office. But this is a captive audience that they have. You're sitting there for sure for 20 minutes. If you get there on time, you're sitting for 20 minutes. If you get there early, you're sitting for 40 minutes. If you get there late, you're sitting there for 20 minutes. So you know people are going to read the stuff that's laying around. And so it's a good Thing for them to have something a little bit more impactful, mm-hmm. but you don't see the AFA journal laying around in doctor's offices. and that, that's, I feel like it's my calling to leave some of them laying around. Like, this is something I need to be doing. And others out there in listener land need to be doing it too. We should all be leaving our AFA journals out there for people to read when we're done. I know that I have
2: sat in doctor's offices before and I've picked up and read books and I've read through recipes and I don't cook. You know, just <laughs> because you're sitting there bored and I think it's an awesome idea to leave these around is, you know, as long as there's no objection to you doing so. Yeah. Leave as many of them as you can and take them to people's houses. If you have a friend, take them there. If you um, maybe you work with the BSU or another organization, you know, at your school, take some copies and share it with um, with the group
3: yeah i I think we're missing a little bit of an opportunity and that's that's why it's important for us to discuss it because it's the it's the idea we're we're going you know we're always going to these places we can't help the fact that we have to go to the doctor and the dentist and et cetera and we also can't expect them to feel like they're gonna reach out to a f r and get you know get the magazine they may not even know about it, but it is okay for us to leave it and mm-hmm. my my thing with this is what can it hurt so you're not gonna I'm not talking about going in and asking, may I have permission to leave this here? Just go in and tuck it in. If if it were some kind of controversial content, then I would say, you know, don't don't do that. But this is not the only thing controversial about this is that it used to be so uncontroversial to find Christian literature and things that glorified God in public. It used to be commonplace. And now. We actually need to sneak out there, you know, with our with our little uh, padded shoes on and slide the magazines. And, and it's perfectly fine to do so. You I, I, I think we should do it. We should get get to doing it.
2: Well, you you also you don't know who's going to find an article in here that is speaking to their life and maybe might change what they're going through. And they may there may be some information we use. These these writers use scripture and they base everything off scripture. And, and you just don't know who you might touch by leaving this laying around somewhere.
3: And so that's a perfect way. Perfect segue. The website's engagemagazine.net. You have the Engage 2019 annual that's about to come out. The content's online so you can kind of preview it there. But if you want your paper copy, there's a place for you to order it. It's complimentary. And I really am so glad that you're doing this, Cedra. Thank you for the work you're doing over at Engage Magazine. And I'm I'm praying for growth, uh, exponential growth in 2019 for the magazine. Thank you so much, Stacey. Thank you for having me on. Sure. It's great to talk to you. Cedra uh, Sarton, Content Coordinator for Engage Magazine. So we, this this is this is one of the, it's like an additional icing on the cake for me because I get to be on the radio here. I get to do my work here. But it's also that the other parts of American Family Association are doing good work. Um, that that really this is the work that we want to be involved in and, and be assisting with. It goes on into eternity. And it's such a wonderful thing to see happening, the growth that this is what we want. And so if you're one of our partners here at American Family Radio and AFA, God bless you. Thank you for sowing seed in. Look what look what's happening. Engage magazine is growing. They have the annual copy. You know, one day in the future, we might see more frequent paper copies of the magazine, which would be fantastic. Um, but the online option is there and it's, and the content is there. It's fresh and it's updated and it's geared towards a segment of our society that we're finding out more and more is unchurched and really untouched by the gospel. And so, whatever we can do to get that message out there is what we got to do. It, it's not about us wanting to do it, it's what we must do. To, um, to preserve the Christian foundations of this country. We need people to understand what it means to be living for Jesus Christ. So wonderful to have Cedra uh, join us today. So now, okay, well, first of all, if you're wanting to call in, you can. Call lines are open at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. And so we talked a little bit about... And uh, this whole thing with Jim Acosta, and I kind of got some back channel on it that there's like a, there is a Fifth Amendment type problem with not having a process by which you would revoke someone's pass. So, I want to explain this as best as I can understand. Now, I'm of the mind that you don't need a Specific process by which to suspend someone because there's a natural understanding of what is good behavior and what isn't. But most often we find that in organizations of any kind, they have their policies and procedures laid out in a manual so that someone can not accuse them of treating them differently. They can say, well, this is the way that this process works. You're warned, you're warned again. You're maybe counseled individually, and then you have your first disciplinary incident will occur. And this is something that is routine in corporations and businesses. Anyone that has employees, you know, you need to have a policy manual. It protects you against lawsuits. But in this case, we're talking about the the White House press corps, and if this ruling is to be understood at all, what it is essentially saying is that Jim Acosta is, cannot be denied access to the press briefing. He is owed, he has a right to, a hard pass, which then brings about the question of whether or not I am owed a hard pass. I certainly would prefer to be a hard pass holder. I've described here on the program the times that I've been to the White House since President Trump has been in office. And on each of those occasions, well, it's a difficult process to get in, admittedly, But on one occasion, the most recent one when I went earlier this year and we were meeting with a White House staffer to talk about the blueprint from Project 21, there was a, a foreign dignitary in town. I believe it was the leader of Monaco. He and his wife were in town. And so all of the different entrance points around the White House compound were sealed off to direct everyone to one entrance point. So we ended up walking a mile and a half around the complex from, basically, we hit three of the the points trying to get in. And when we reached the exterior, so you have to get through the first checkpoint, which is just the basic general checkpoint, and he has a computer there, and he types your name in as it appears on your driver's license. And if you do not have the authorization typed in exactly as it appears on your driver's license, and you type that in yourself when you apply for the pass, then... You're, you're denied. So one person in our party was denied and left at that first gate. The rest of us proceeded on to the main entry point that stands between you and the actual access to the White House from that corner. And again, they typed our information in and then we had to go through the process of, you know, you take off your, your purse, whatever you've got, you have to leave your umbrella. They screen all of your items. You, it's like going through TSA. You walk through And then they give you a pass and it is a, not a day pass, it's just a temporary pass that gives you access basically until someone tells you to get out or until you're done with the meeting and the person you're there with walks you to that gate and then there's nowhere else for you to go. Now, contrast what I just described to you, which was a lengthy process. It took us 20 minutes to get through that. And we were early, even after walking a mile and a half, we still arrived early. That's how early we left to try to get there. We still got through all of that and we're 20 minutes early, which if you guys know me at all, you know, that is a a feat of, of amazing proportion. Hard pass holders, while we were at the exterior first checkpoint, simply lifted it and breezed on through. Simply lift your hard pass and breeze through interior gate, stick it under the window, breeze through. I want one of those. So, obviously, now I'm on a mission to get what's owed to me. I'm owed a hard pass and I want one, and I'm going to apply for one and see if I can get it. If Jim Acosta gets one, if everyone gets one, then I certainly want one too. We'll be back with the last segment of the show. Stay there.
4: Hi, this is Steve Tiber with Eight Days of Hope. We've been all over the country helping disaster victims who lose everything.
2: It's truly a blessing. I really don't have the words to express.
4: And yet, they see a glimmer of hope when a volunteer shows up.
5: Building the home, that's the second reason we're here. The number one reason is to share the gospel and and give them hope. It's
1: everything that's right in America. I mean, it really represents the, the best that we have to offer. That's one of the main reasons for doing it, is being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus and coming out and working with so many wonderful volunteers. I just feel like it's important in this day and age to teach a child uh, how to serve.
4: Please go to our website, 8daysofhope.com, and click on Get Involved, submit your email address, and the next time we go anywhere with a disaster, we'll invite you to
5: come along as well.
0: I love coming in the job room because you can see these pieces of paper, they aren't just a piece of paper. Right. It's a family that's hurting, and it's a gospel opportunity.
5: You know, I just thank God, you know, for this moment. I mean, I'll be back in my home, and I know it's going to be awesome.
3: Come love others with
1: 8 Days of Hope. This is Franklin Graham, and I've uh, got an idea for Christmas, and that is to fill a shoebox for a child somewhere in the third world. These children live in poverty, and what I'm asking you to do is just take a shoebox and fill it with items for a child. Put toys, school supplies, and then we give these boxes out, and we do this in Jesus' name. And put your picture in there. Put your address in there. Maybe the kids can write you back, but we need you to be a part of it. God bless
5: you. Thank you so very much.
3: Visit SamaritansPurse.org to get involved
5: would use and I burst into tears because I just couldn't stop it on my own. So I got into Teen Challenge and it opened the door for God
2: to come in and do the work in me that I couldn't do in myself.
0: If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, Adult and Teen Challenge can help. There are centers across the country and you can find the one nearest you at 855-END-ADDICTION or at TeamChallengeUSA.com. This is Urban Family Talk. The Dean's List with Janice Dean.
4: David Verberg is a champion sprinter who won the 400-meter relay at the 2016 Rio Olympics. He recently posted a video of himself sprinting into a busy intersection to save a tortoise. Dave had been driving down the Florida Highway when he saw the slow-moving shell. After swerving his car to avoid hitting the creature, he made a U-turn, parked in a turning lane, and ran into the street so he could scoop it into his arms and run back to his vehicle. David told Runners World magazine, My shoes were untied and loose, so as I started running, I thought, this is a terrible idea. David, who is a self-proclaimed animal lover, along with being a world-famous sprinter, guesses that it was a gopher tortoise, which is protected under the Endangered Species Act. He says it happens all the time in Florida. David, thank you for your quick thinking, your quick sprinting. I'm sure the tortoise is grateful too. Janice Dean, Fox News.
0: This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
5: An Israeli political philosopher named uh, Yaakov Talmon once put it this way The state of the Jews has become the Jew of the states. What that means to me is criticism of Israel is not anti Semitism. Criticism of Israel's existence, denying Israel the right to exist, calling Israel the Zionist entity, that is anti-Semitism. That is a classical continuity of thousands of years of symbolizing the Jew. So using that kind of language places you in very uncomfortable company. That kind of language can come today from the far left, It can come from white supremacists. It can come from Islamist extremists. It can come from many sources. But all of those groups converge on one idea. The Jew remains humanity's great problem.
3: Mm. So that is uh, an author and saying that criticizing Israel's existence, denying its right to exist is modern anti-Semitism. And he said, you find it on the left. And you find it on from uh, white supremacists on the far right, and he is absolutely calling them out and saying, you know, it's it's not okay. I think it's past time that liberals address the anti-Semitism that they uh, they don't just allow it to be present; they promote it. Um, that that person that I was mentioning a bit ago uh, in the uh, election back in oh geez, what, she's gotten elected to replace. Um, rabid anti-Semite Keith Ellison. She wears the head wrap and all that. And she's she said before she was elected that she did not support the BDS movement, the divestiture movement where you target all things that have anything to do with Israel and you boycott them. But well, now she's come out and said she does support it. In other words, she lied to get elected. And now she's showing her true face. And she's not even doing Barack Obama style you know, uh, activity where you wait until wait a few years and let people feel comfortable that they were told the truth and then lie to them. No, she's just like, yeah, I, I, I said I really didn't want to, but I did. Yeah, I I support BDS. She flies the Palestinian flag for goodness sakes. So this is where we are right now. Call lines are open at eight six six nine six three two zero three seven. So we've got we've got that obviously, and. Just, just the depressingness of, it's, it's depressing to hear people who are always talking about how they, they're tolerant, they, 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 they believe in this, they believe in that, you know, you have to tolerate everything. What they really mean is you have to do what I say. You have to do what I say. Um, you have to believe what I believe. And everything else can go by the wayside. I'm only looking for tolerance when it's tolerance for things that I tell you you need to tolerate. But tolerating Israel? Not something I need to do because the cause du jour for me is liking Palestinians. As if there are no other Arab states that could absorb the Palestinian people. But notice, just like the people coming from south of our border, when offered asylum in Mexico, they say, no, we want real opportunity. In other words, it's not good enough for us to improve our living conditions and our circumstances because Mexico, as horrible as it is, is far better than Honduras or El Salvador. And Mexico enjoys a robust trading relationship with the United States. And it's possible, in theory, that a bunch of people showing up here or there in Mexico from Honduras and El Salvador, in other words, new workers, could prompt American companies to put some more American jobs south of the border. I mean, it's, it's entirely possible. But these people are saying, no, we want to come work under the table in America. We want to be in America. You can offer anything that you want, but Mexico isn't good enough for us. We've had enough of these third world countries. We want to live in a first world country. And America, which is full to the brimming with racists, had better let us in. Just watch the video footage of these people talking. They contradict themselves right off the bat. Well... There are criminals in here, in the migrant caravan, and we want to be protected from that. And if America doesn't let us in, we're going to enter illegally, thereby making themselves criminals. We don't want to stay in Mexico because Mexico has offered us asylum, but it's not as good as America. And America is full of racists, but America has to let us in. America has to let our little cafe a light brown tails in here because we, we need to be in there. Yeah, I said it. Who, who's going to say something to me about talking about what color they are? Please cue up. Please tell me something about being of, of, of the permanent tan of uh, any sort. You can't. So don't try me. Don't try me today. I'm, my, my problem with this whole scenario is that these are not refugees. They're not asylum seekers. They're economic migrants. If I could, I'd move to Switzerland. They'd call me an economic migrant, by the way, because <laughs> in order to get citizenship in Switzerland, you have to have a few things going on for you. And since I don't have a job offer in Switzerland, they would say to me, oh, you just want to come here for better economic prospects. And I would say, well, I mean, I have, my economic prospects are pretty good. But I mean, if you're saying that I want to live there because I like Switzerland, then, yeah, that's what you're talking about. I do like it. I do like I like it. I've been there. I, when we were there, I enjoyed it a lot. It was super nice and that's the way these people feel about coming here to America and it's 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 got nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with culture a lack of assimilation and the way someone comes in you know how, it's 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 well known the way that you begin a thing is probably the way it's uh, going to end and if you come in here illegally. You're probably going to commit crimes while you're in here. You're probably going to steal people's identities. That's one of the main things that uh, people who are here illegally do is they steal the identity of Americans. So now we're watching, and I want to pivot over to this last subject. We, I want to discuss this on on out of the program here, and it is how we're watching the Democrats eat their own. Now, this is one of the things that I, I, it was good to hear one of our callers uh, talking about how we don't want to get too gleeful when we see our enemy getting their just desserts, but it is instructive to watch how these people are treating each other. And so, you know, have you heard? Marsha Fudge is apparently considering a run against Nancy Pelosi for the speakership. Now, here's why this is important. Um, Black people are a full one quarter of the voting population of Democratic voters. And those voters, that 25 percent, want a turn at running the House of Representatives. And they think this time is as good of a time as any for them to make their run. And they feel like Marsha Fudge, who is a 10-year Democratic congresswoman from suburban Cleveland and also the former head of the Congressional Black Caucus, the Do Nothing Caucus, uh, that she'd be a, a good person to take over from Nancy Pelosi. Now, here's why this is a crazy idea. Nancy Pelosi has all the power. Y'all know I'm not a fan of Nancy Pelosi, but I like to call a spade a spade. I like to call the situation on the ground, the conditions on the ground as they are. I don't like when people try to act like things are better than they are or worse than they are. Just call it what it is. Nancy Pelosi has all the power. She knows where the dead bodies are buried. She has the fundraising apparatus, and she's used to bending the other Democrats to her will. She's been doing it for decades now. Now, Marsha Fudge may be a formidable knife fighter, but she's no Nancy Pelosi and she's not going to raise the same dollars. And that is what is going to be the big fight between the Democrats, because they're very much into the ideology that, well, if a black person challenges you on the ideology uh, thing of victimhood, you know, your little little, uh, hierarchy of victimhood, the white lady has to defer to the black lady because the black lady is a person of color. And so that's how they kind of decide, well, who's going to get what? But underneath all of that wrangling that they do is the reality on the ground of who can raise the most money, who can bring the most money in when we need it from our mega donors because they're going to have a race to run in 2020. And that race just started a couple of days ago. So Marcia Fudge has been quoted as saying, when you look at the people who support this party the most, they're women and African-Americans, especially African-American women. We keep talking about diversity, but there's nothing diverse about the top of our ticket. We have to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. So instead of talking about how much money she can raise or how she's the better candidate than Nancy Pelosi, how she better reflects the values of the Democrats who are currently going to be taken over the House of Representatives, instead of talking about her ideas, her policy accomplishments, her uh, maybe newness to the game, a fresh face. The only reason she feels she should replace Nancy Pelosi is because she has a permanent tan and Nancy Pelosi does not. And so what's delicious about this is that when they say these things to us, we scoff. We're like, no, we don't give jobs to people just because they're black. We don't give jobs to people just because they're a woman or a man. We don't do that. We pick the best person. We say that over and over and over again. We pick the best person. We pick the best person. And the Democrats' response is racist, bigot. You know, you, you don't know anything. You just hate people. You hate blacks. You hate women. That's what they say. And now here, this woman, Marsha Fudge, is using the same argument that they use unsuccessfully on conservatives on her own kind. It's like she's laid Nancy Pelosi out on one of those big carving tables, and she's like, come on in, everybody. It's time to eat. We're going to eat our own. We're going to take her down, and we're going to do it in the name of diversity. So it's not just about Pelosi, but they want a change in leadership, apparently. Now, Marsha Fudge has support beyond the Black Caucus, Uh, Seth Mouton of Massachusetts said, look at the amazing number of women who ran and won on the platform of change. People of color, women veterans, we need to answer that call for change, a change in leadership. Congressional Black Caucus passed a vote of no confidence in Tom Perez. So it's not just Nancy who's on the chalk and block. The latest sign of lingering bad blood between lawmakers on Capitol Hill and the DNC. According to CBC members, Benny Thompson, Democrat Mississippi, the incoming chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, we could just have at least 15 minutes giggling and laughing about how ludicrous that is. I mean, this guy is totally unqualified to head up that committee. We might as well just order in a clown car full of actors who are part time clowns in full clown gear and put them in charge of this committee. Anyway. So they're saying here uh, that he's the incoming chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee. They started a debate over the National Party's superdelegate policy, which led to a motion of no confidence in Perez. The Black Caucus wanted Keith Ellison to do that job. Of course, Keith Ellison's not in Congress anymore. Um, He's he didn't run. He he opted to run for uh, what's attorney general or something of, of the state where he lives. So. What's happening here is that there's going to be a purge. No one in Democratic leadership of the House, Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, Clyburn, none of them are under the age of 70. New leadership of the Democrats is going to be more diverse, non white, better educated, which is indoctrinated, and Bernie Sanders esque. He may have lost the nomination two years ago but his democratic socialists are the new Democrats. This is a horrible development for America because our system is predicated upon everyone who's in it being pro-America, being for this country, understanding our constitution, understanding national sovereignty, having an appreciation for our military, loving the citizens, the rural ones, the city ones, the suburban ones, the towny ones, the people who run this country should love Americans. We now have fully 50% of the country that is giving its allegiance to a party that not only doesn't love all Americans, but doesn't love America. That is the, They're the ones behind the open borders flunkies who are currently creating a second caravan of 100,000 people to assault our southern border. These people are a danger to the republic, and they're about to purge out the last vestiges. Crazy as those vestiges are at 70 years old, crazy pants, Maxine Waters, and all the rest of them, they're not as crazy or deadly as this new younger group who are coming out of public schools where they've been taught that America is the great Satan, racism, uh, everything bad, and coming out of... Colleges and universities where they've been taught that the only thing that's going to fix America is to completely remake it in the image of a socialist state from across the water. Some European nation for which they only can have socialism because we pay for their military. You know, one of the most ludicrous statements as an aside that we heard this week was the French president actually opining and the German chancellor chiming in too about them having their own military. They can't afford it. Because we currently borrow a whole bunch of money so we can provide defense for them. The minute they raise up their own army under their own steam and have to borrow their own money to do it, well, first of all, it frees us up a ton. I mean, it just frees us up. We would have to have much far, far less, I should say, far less military presence around the world if they would just take care of themselves. They're not going to do it because they don't want to borrow that money. They'd rather we do it. Which is why Trump holds all the cards. We got to pray about this. We have to pray for common sense and decency to return to our American citizen cohorts on the left. We need a two-party system, but it has to be full of God-fearing good Americans, not these socialists that are rising up at present. All right, that's the show. It's the weekend. God bless from the heartland. Enjoy your night and the weekend and happy Thanksgiving to you.